Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Cashflow Guys podcast. This is Tyler Chef. I am your host, and we are here for another session to take things to the next level on our journey in learning to earn. Now, this week, I want to talk about uh, where the deals are. This is something that I hear a lot. People keep saying, you know, well, it starts with this. I asked, somebody reached out to me a couple days ago and told me about this, this quote unquote deal they were working on. And they were upset with the fact that they caved under pressure and, and from their words, they said that they just got taken advantage of. And I said to them, my response to that was, how did this happen? Well, there's no deals, Tyler. There's just nothing out there. So I had to buy something. And I sat there in a little bit of, I don't know what the word, whether it was shock or disbelief or both, but I can't believe what I was hearing. It's like, wait a minute. So you couldn't find a deal, quote unquote, yet you thought a solution to that was to go out and intentionally buy a bad deal. And the, the folks were like, you know, they silence on the other end of the phone. I'm thinking, okay, well, not a whole lot I can say to that. And I, it, it's been on, it's been bugging me all week. And those of you that, that are following me on Facebook know that I recently bought a piece of property up in the Northern Florida. It's my getaway place. It's, it's an off the grid type scenario. It's awesome. It's 25 acres and I get up there and I get a lot of time to think and I'm going to actually write my book, one of my books this summer, my first book, and I've already started working on the outline. So while I'm up there, the reason I'm bringing this up is I get a lot of time to think. And this situation was definitely making me think. I'm think and, and one of the things I was thinking was, first of all, why in the hell would somebody just buy a lousy deal on purpose? And then I realized that I I guess I've been withholding it, suppressing it, whatever, in the back of my mind, but this is not an isolated incident. I hear this a lot. You know, and one thing that keeps going back, now people tell me that, you know, that when people sign up for the, or before people, we had the mastermind, people were, were asking this question a lot and understanding that a lot of people aren't, are not able to participate in the mastermind. But I will say this, when you participate in the mastermind, you are going to get the answer to this question. And you'll never have to worry about sourcing opportunity again because I spend a lot of time going over just that. Speaking of which, if you're interested in the mastermind, we are we have the doors are open for new registration. You can go to mailboxmoneymastermind.com. It's mailboxmoneymastermind.com. Enough on that. This isn't a sales pitch. This is a podcast. Where are all the deals? I'm going to cover as much as I can get out in our, in our short time today, some examples of where you can find opportunity. Now, 
I like to say opportunity, not deals. And the reason being is you can't find a deal. Never have I ever been able to find a deal. Like somebody had it on a website and it was perfect the way it was. Everything was priced right and the rents were right and everything was good to go. Everything I've done has required some sort of negotiation to some degree. That's not a big deal. We can do that, right? That's what we do. We negotiate. But how do we get ourselves in front of opportunities? Okay, I like to call them opportunities, not deals. Because it's not a deal until it's done and you've actually closed on it. Prior to that, it's just an opportunity. And I like opportunity anyway. Opportunity is a good word. It's a, it's a I'll call it a, a, a unilateral word. It, it just makes things sound better. It sounds good for sellers. It sounds good for buyers. It sounds great for private money people. So let's go with that. Let's call it opportunities. Start with, starting with psychology. Once you grasp the concept that you're not going to, quote unquote, find a deal and that you're going to have to roll your sleeves up, it, you're going to become, I hope, less sensitive to seeing a whole bunch of terrible deals. That is the nature of the beast, folks. You are going to see a bunch of, quote unquote, bad deals. Why? Because ask yourself this question. Have you ever sold something? And if so, did you advertise it at your bottom dollar? Did you take all the profit that you'd make off the deal and go, you know, I'm only willing to accept $100,000 for this house. That's the minimum I'll take. So I'll go ahead and advertise it at a hundred grand. Well, no, you wouldn't do that. You'd probably advertise it at 120, right? 115, something like that. 110, maybe. I don't know. But bottom line is you're going to, you're, when you put things out there and advertise them or you give somebody a price for something, it's reasonable to think that any normal person would obviously start high and let somebody negotiate them down. So that said, we know that everything we look at, every advertised property, I don't care if it's on the MLS, if it's on LoopNet, if it's on Craigslist, wherever it may be, pitched at a RIA meeting, there may be some room there, right? That's not their quote-unquote bottom dollar. So that said, let's understand that. So let's not get frustrated when we see ridiculously overpriced properties. And I see people doing this when you know they hear a price or they, I watch them sometimes they go to the RIA meetings. And I watch people pitch properties and I'll, there's always somebody that be, that's animated about it. They roll their eyes like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that's, Oh, what are they thinking? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, what do you expect? Do you expect them to say, Hey man, just, just go ahead and take my wallet, please take it, run, run far away, run fast. No, that's not what they do. They advertise the highest dollar. So just get over it. Right. Moving on. Now that we know that everything is advertised overpriced, everything is advertised overpriced. There are no exceptions to this rule. If it's advertised, it's overpriced. We got it? Advertised, overpriced. That's not a bad thing. Now that we understand that little simple thing, let's figure out how we're going to get it priced right. First of all, in a market like we're, that people say that we, people tend to say that we're in a seller's market right now, pretty much across the country. I don't necessarily believe that because I don't buy what they call off the shelf. I normally don't mess with listed properties and I don't list with any at go with anything that people are trying to sell because I have a lot of competition. Now I joke and say that's because I'm an only child and I don't like to compete. Well, there's some truth to that. I am an only child. That's truthful. And I really don't like to compete. Who likes to go compete? Oh yeah. Pick me, pick me. I want to go toe to toe and have to get 
you know, pay more money than everybody else and get into a bidding war. Nobody wants to do that. So one way you can avoid doing that is to simply stop buying off the shelf. Don't go out shopping what, with what's for sale. Instead, focus on the problems. I have said this time and time again on the show, but I think you know by now when I keep repeating myself on the same topic and you keep not doing what I'm asking you to do, well, there's only one person we can blame for that, isn't there? Yes, that's what I thought. That said, what are problems? How do we find problems? Easier said than done, Tyler. I don't know what a problem looks like. I know ugly houses. How do we find ugly houses? Well, we get in the car, we drive down the street, we find an ugly house. That's probably a problem. Well, it could be a redneck. Doesn't matter, right? But it's some. It's a problem for somebody, probably you, if you realize that it's ugly. But the people living there may not think it's a problem at all. They just might be a redneck living in a nasty house because they're nasty people. That's entirely possible. And unfortunately, in this country, that's their God-given right. If they want to live in filth, they're allowed to live in filth to some degree. So not all ugly houses have a quote-unquote problem that needs solving. Now, the problem I speak of is basically ties to seller motivation. In other words, if, you got, if you're going to go buy the, the Clampett's house from uh, Beverly Hillbillies, well, you know, they don't really have a problem. They're perfectly tickled pink with the way they live. They've lived there. house has been handed down from generation to generation to generation. So if you ask them what their house is worth, it's going to be about $20 million. Because Jed, he wouldn't know where else to go. He hasn't bought a house in, in his entire lifetime. He wouldn't even know what to expect. So he's hoping to retire off of that transaction, right? The simple way to avoid that situation <laughs> is to avoid that situation. When you, when you talk to people before you ever get into negotiations, rule number one is establish motivation. You've got to understand why the seller is selling. If you don't understand why the seller is selling, then you are up a creek without a paddle. You're not going to get very far because you're never going to hit the seller's hot buttons because they don't have any. Believe it or not, there are people that are not motivated to sell their house. Actually, the majority of people out there in America are not motivated to sell their house. Why? Well, number one, they have to replace it. That's a challenge. That's stressful. It's also a great negotiating point. Think about that for a second. Guy doesn't necessarily want to move, but he, maybe he needs to move. Maybe if there's you and some other investors all trying to get the same house, maybe if you provide him a solution to his fear of having to move, maybe, just maybe, he will put a little more emphasis on your offer than everybody else's because your offer comes with a solution to his real problem. It may be in the, in the, it may be a rental apartment is your solution. It could be finding him a, a cheaper place to live and then negotiating terms on that for him because he's probably not up to speed on that type of negotiation. There's lots of opportunities out there, but we need to be able to talk to the seller and find out what those are first. So ugly property sometimes is a good thing, but at the same time, let's, you got to quickly qualify them and say, Hey, have you ever thought about selling this house? And if they say no, well, that's the end of the story. Now, don't say, well, please don't put them in a headlock and try to drag them to the closing table. If they don't want to sell, you can't force them. Now, in a retail market, those of you that are buying off the MLS, not always are properties in the MLS uh, overpriced. There are sometimes that they're underpriced because of inexperienced agents. If you're an experienced investor, you should be able to know the difference. 
But usually they sell so quick, you wouldn't even know about them anyway. So when we're finding problems, we're going to look at, let's look at what, what's recorded in the court records. But before we do that, driving for dollars is a, is a good one. But more important, walking for dollars or riding a bike for dollars, walking your dog if you have one, getting your kid outside, get the video game out of their hands, take them for a, go out for a walk as a family. If you do this on a regular basis in your own market, in your own neighborhood, go as close to where you live as possible. Then walk around and get a good feeling of what's going on in the market or in your area, in your neighborhood. And do this repeatedly. Do this once a week. What you will start to notice, especially if you're walking, you will start to notice changes. You will notice when things are, something is different than it was before. What is it? Did somebody get a new car? Well, now they have a new bill that goes along with the new car. Is uh, was this house uh, occupied before and now it's vacant? These are things that you have to consider and take a look at because they indicate change and change sometimes brings motivation to sell their property. Now, for some folks that may be knocking on the door and asking them if they ever decided that they were considered getting involved in real estate investing, like Jay Massey teaches us, or did, are you getting on the phone or getting knocking on the door or sending them a postcard asking if they ever considered selling? Maybe that you can see they got a hole in the roof because there's daylight, you know, creeping through it. Or, or maybe there's a lot of wood rot on the outside of the house that's obvious from out front. All kinds of different things that you might be able to see driving by or walking by. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to see a lot more walking than you ever will driving. Let's talk about the things that get recorded in public records and the mining of public records. And by mining, I mean literally like digging for gold, looking for things like divorce filings, uh, lawsuit filings. Well, in the lawsuit, somebody usually wins, right? And whoever wins might have some real estate they may have to liquidate in order to pay whatever the result of the lawsuit is. Maybe uh, someone passed away. Me personally, I can't do the probate thing. I don't have the heart for it, the stomach for it. I just can't do it. And I know that's ridiculous. And being a guy that's a real estate investor, doing as many deals as I've done in my career, that's probably even more ridiculous. But I can't get past that. I don't know what it is. So whatever. But I'm very different than everybody else. Other people have no problem with it. And if you, if you can handle it, then go for it. Go with the probate thing. How do you get probate stuff? Number one, network with attorneys. Spend some time talking to attorneys that handle these situations. Divorce, lawsuit, probate. Let them know that you buy and you acquire real estate. And if you ever runs across anybody that might be needing to sell, you'd be much appreciated. Now, a lot of, a lot of attorneys that are that do a lot of business sometimes they will go out and get a real estate license because they don't actually have to go to the school in a lot of states at least in florida they don't have to go to the school all they have to do is take the test if they can pass the test they can get the real estate license so sometimes they do this for additional revenue and by doing so that means that you could easily give them a referral fee if you wanted to and be completely up above board even if you're a licensed agent you could still pay them a referral fee if they have a license that's, obviously, that depends on municipality. Check your local regulations. Regardless, when the buyer or the, the homeowner can liquidate their, their house or the family in a probate situation, that can solve a lot of problems. The proceeds of that can solve a lot of problems in a divorce. Let's say a, a mom is trying to get reestablished, right? She's got a kid. Dad's probably doesn't pay child support because he's a deadbeat, whatever. Maybe if she had a predict predictable stream of income, that would be a big benefit to her versus a, a big check with a tax obligation. Now, divorce is a tough thing. Now, trust me, I know I've been through it. 
lawsuits of any kind. Maybe there's a, I wouldn't waste your time chasing down like corporate lawsuits, but if there's a person to person lawsuit or there's a, a, somebody being sued by a company or something like that, code enforcement lawsuits are huge, uh, but there's huge fees and things like this. But when you go talk some logic to the, the county, the city, the municipality, a lot of times these things can be negotiated down. Now, besides talking to attorneys, the other way that you can do this is to go spend time in your local uh, clerk's office at the, the city level or the county level and mine those records. Go through, ask them, flat out ask them, and this is what I used to do. How do I find all of the divorce filings? How do I find out who's filed for a divorce? And they would lay it right out for me, right? It's, they're there as a public service, so ask. it's okay to ask dumb questions because it's not a dumb question. You may think it's a dumb question, but it's not a dumb question. They get these questions all the time. Remember, to be successful as an investor, you have to be willing to do something that other people are not willing to do. Therefore, asking questions and getting that, that response can make all the difference in the world. So put yourself out there and do that. Now, tax deeds are another one. Um, you can, and here's when I, my thing on tax deeds. I'm not a huge fan of tax deeds, at least in Florida, because in Florida, you got Chase and Bank of America and Wells Fargo, all the banks have entire, uh, I call them war rooms, of people that are bidding on these things and they're running the prices down because on a tax deed, it's actually a reverse auction. You as the investor bid on the amount of interest percentage that you're going to charge. And most of the stuff I see that's worth anything, they've got the interest rates down to like 0.001% or something or other because they're taking a calculated risk that by volume alone, they're going to get enough of these uh, to make a difference and they can make themselves some money. I don't know. They're doing something. The bottom line is they've saturated the market and made it very difficult for anybody to make any money with a tax lien. I frankly, I don't think banks should be allowed to bid on them at all, but that's, you know, that's me. However, where tax liens and, and tax sales are tax deeds, whatever you want to call them, tax certificates are very beneficial is a red flag as a lead source. Maybe a green flag is the color of money because this tells you that the folks that are behind on their taxes or don't have the money to pay them because people don't that people that pay their that don't pay their taxes it's usually because they don't have the money okay so if that's the case maybe reaching out to these owners and saying hey mr mrs smith i noticed that your property taxes were behind i was getting ready to buy the tax lien but i thought maybe you might want to sell the property instead have you ever considered selling this property now, when they ask, how did you get my information? Because I don't know why, but they always ask that. That is about the dumbest question in the world. How, how do you think I got your information? You get, did you notice all the letters in the mail from the tax collector saying, hey, you haven't paid your, your debt. You haven't paid your taxes. We're going to come take your house. But anyway, uh, tax deeds, reach out to the property owners and see if they want to sell. Sometimes you can get properties by simply taking care of the tax, tax obligation. We recently did one not too long ago for one of our buyers where she bought a house that was worth a fortune. She got it for $30,000. We just sold that house for $164,000 after about, a, I don't know, fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 rehab job. So massive upsell or uh, uh, profit on that because of the fact that we got it right. And it was because the sellers were behind on taxes. They hadn't paid their taxes in years. And they were about to lose the property for taxes. So instead of losing the property for taxes, they decided to sell it to us instead because they couldn't raise the money 
to cover the tax bill. One of the strategies that we put out there for them is that we could pay the tax bill for them and then record a mortgage against the house. They didn't want that solution. Now, you'd think that any logical person would want that and be able to keep the house. The reality of it is the house was trash. The people that lived there were just nasty people, and it was really disgusting. And I think they were just ready for a change, so they were willing. They were younger folks, so they probably just wanted the money and take the money and run. You know, they go drink some beers on Friday night and call themselves rock stars, whatever they want to do. I, I can't believe that they would turn down a loan to make their taxes current. Uh, I don't even think we got into rate. We just talked about uh, what made sense as far as a solution. So we were talking about, you know, kind of a closing on concept type of thing. Regardless, they weren't having it. So whatever, you know, I can't save everybody. So think about that as a great strategy. Everybody else is out there chasing the tax deeds to try to steal the property for the cost of taxes. That doesn't necessarily have to be the case. And more often than not, folks, these properties, they don't have it. A lot of times they don't have any mortgages recorded against them. Sometimes these are properties where they've owned the house forever and a day and they're just in a bad way financially and they couldn't make their taxes. But this is a, a flag wave and that you should be paying attention to. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the foreclosures, which i got to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of the foreclosures. I buy non-performing notes, as you guys know. So I see the ridiculousness that goes on behind the scenes of these, these uh, files that these banks put out. And there's a lot of notes out there that just have a terrible due diligence file where I'm, I'm shocked that uh, they continue like that. It just doesn't make much sense. But regardless, you know, to, I guess to some, that's, that's something worth chasing. To me, it's not. Because usually when you're going in the front door, so to speak, the banks want their money. You know, they, they either, if you can't talk them into a short sale, they are not going to be willing in a lot of cases to settle with the uh, private party borrower. The problem here is this creates a real issue. And this is why banks kind of are asking for trouble because realistically, if they would discount these notes a little bit, they could keep their money moving. They would make more money, but I am not the banking system. So whatever. I mean, we purposely buy non-performing assets because we can make big spreads. Maybe the banks aren't into making big spreads. Who knows? Maybe it's too much work for them. I don't know what the reasonings are. Maybe they're too regulated or something, but I believe they fall under the same regulations I do. So I'm not quite sure why they won't do the work, but whatever. So foreclosures in general do create a, an auction-like environment. What you'll find is that people will just bid and bid and bid and bid and bid those things up. They get bid out of control. And when that happens, the price goes up. And in my opinion, this is my opinion, that I don't think the winner is the one that pays the most. I think the, the, they're the loser. I think if you're the highest bidder, if you're willing to pay more money than anybody else, I don't see how you're making good, sound financial decisions. Now, I'm sure there are some rare circumstances where you see something that everybody else doesn't. But it's been my experience, not personally. I've never bought a foreclosure, but I've sold plenty of them. And usually it's because there, there's, there's just, it's just that emotional thing. People think that they can get a great deal with a foreclosure. Not my thing, whatever. Um, medical bills for insured or, or underinsured people Ask yourself this question. Can you reach out to a collection agency? Can you do some sort of a joint venture? Can you pick up the phone with them and try to see what problems you can solve? Because think about it this way. Maybe you make friends at a, as somebody that works at a collection agency. And maybe if you gave them information every time one of the people they're chasing after sold a house, then you could 
put them in a position to be on the phone with these homeowners right after closing when they got a big chunk of money. Who knows? Maybe I'm, I'm, I might be reaching for the moon and the stars, but I'm not a guy that kind of believes that, that doesn't believe you can't do stuff like that. I find that if you ask a lot of questions, you'll get answers that'll surprise you sometimes, and this may be one of them. I personally have never reached out to a collection agency. I've been really good with getting leads through my other methods, but who knows? One of you give this a shot. Reach out to a collection agency and ask them for a list of all the, all the debts that they have of the people uh, that own real estate. Maybe they can pull some sort of a report. So find a local debt collection company in your market. And maybe you can do some sort of a collaboration. Who knows? But I imagine as a bill collector, if I had somebody come to me and say, hey, how would you like to know every time somebody that owes you money sells their house real easy or let them know that there's a house worth to be sold? Is that valuable? I don't know. I would say it is. So go out there and give it a shot. What's the worst they could say? No, get away from me. Who are you? How'd you get my information? Whatever. The bottom line here, folks is the you're going to have to go out and roll your sleeves up. You you can continue to go on and on and on about there's no deals out there. There's opportunity everywhere in every market, up, down, sideways market, doesn't matter. Have we bought anything recently? No, we haven't. But the reason for that is we've been doing other stuff. We're, we've been focusing heavily on the note business, right? Doing quite well in the note business, and a lot of our capital has been diverted over there. For now, we are gearing up to start going on the buy hunt again, right? Because we're looking for opportunity. We're looking for problems. That does take time, but we're not discouraged, you see, because we're not buying just for the sake of buying. Yes, we've had investors come to us and want to want to invest with us. And at the time, we didn't have anything available for them. And they're sometimes liking to push us to make decisions that aren't, aren't good for our, our business model, my business model, or theirs for that matter. People are willing to make low return investments or high risk investments just to keep their money moving. Well, you know, that's to me, I think that's dangerous. I think that's irresponsible. And these are the people that are usually the first to complain when they lose money, right? It's one thing to lose money because somebody took advantage of you. It's another thing to lose money intentionally, to go out there intentionally and do something stupid like buying a deal that doesn't cash flow uh, for no good reason. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I don't understand that. So don't do that. You buy when the numbers make sense. I will buy at any time. I don't care if it's a seller's market, a buyer's market, an in-between market, a down thing, whatever. There's no bad time to buy provided that the numbers make sense. And that's, well, you have those opportunities. Uh, I've put out a free course to teach you guys how to do that. Uh, if you don't remember that course, or you haven't been to that course yet, you're new to listen to the show. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash mailbox money. It's a four-part video series where I teach you exactly how to break down a deal. So since I've given you the information for free, all you really need to do now is to go find the opportunity. This podcast has given you lots of ways to go find opportunity, but that for that to work, you're going to have to take the action. I can't make you take the action. Well, I can, but I can't imagine what I'd have to charge for that. But... I can't make you really do it. I need you to do it and to take the steps necessary to get free. If you can't take the steps, or if you're not willing to do the work to be financially free, you are going to fail. It's that simple. So please help me help you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to wrap it right there. I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that you get out there, take some action, find some of those leads and work these opportunities, keeping in mind that these opportunities, they don't get corrected overnight. But every day that you delay in starting looking for opportunities and solving problems, every day that goes by where you're not invested in that activity is one day longer you will be in financial prison. So I'll leave it right there, folks. Have a great day, and thank you for listening. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.